0: Hello and welcome to Change the Conversation, a podcast from Dower & Co, featuring frank conversations and fresh perspectives that can help you to connect, communicate and grow. I'm your host, Elaine Burke, the Editor-in-Chief of Dara & Co, and I'm here today with Mark Fennell, a personal development coach. How did you end up being a personal development coach? You've got a bit of a journey. That yeah, happens there's a there. journey
1: of about 20 odd years. <laughs> um, I'll give you the short story. Well, basically, I started as a volunteer working with, I was only like 19 or so at the time, with teenagers in the inner city. Um, so I started working with them. And I just found it really rewarding because we started to kind of see changes. We were working with some gangs and so forth. So much so that, the police kind of took note. They said that, you know, they seem to be, these guys are changing a little bit. We're seeing a positive impact you guys are having. They seem to look forward to this kind of you club, if you call it. So then they got involved and it kind of grew legs. And then fast forward, a number of years later, I walk into a rugby match, big tall guy comes up to me and he says, are you Mark Fennell? And I went, yeah. And he goes, it's me. I want to say thanks very much for what you did for me and my family and blah, blah, blah. He says, basically, he says, I got myself out of that area He says, I have my own house now, I have my own family now. And he says, but if it wasn't for what you did, I wouldn't be here today. Because his brother sadly didn't make it beyond his 21st birthday. Drugs and alcohol and all sorts. And it was really tough backgrounds. It was at that point I said, I'm doing this forever. So I went very much into, which I'd been kind of studying and researching at the time, was business coaching, executive coaching. Um, And then fast forward a few years later, I was doing well. So I was very busy and I burnt out. And it was at that point, from my own experience, I discovered, you know, mental health, wellness, the importance of it, um, the importance of it when it's gone. Um, and I hit rock bottom, practically burnt out, um, literally break down. It took me two years to rebuild myself from that moment of, of just, it was basically I collapsed in a gym, presumed heart attack. And it just, the, the fear of God came into me. And I was always very resilient kind of person. But when you're faced with your own mortality, you kind of realize I'm I'm not bulletproof which we all think we are in our twenties. Yeah. Um, and so I had to, cause I had real hypersensitivity, chronic anxiety around my heart, around my body, around health anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And it just, the irrational mindset kicked in. I was still business coaching, but then I started to develop into the self-development side, you know, not just the person and the business, but the person behind the business. Because what I realized for my own sake was I have to look after me in order for my business to be successful. And then So the self-development side came into it as well as the business uh, development side. And hence, here I am many moons later.
0: So you nearly learned to coach others through coaching yourself through this on that personal side of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I went to a very difficult, dark, low place, um, you know, and and the doctors wanted to kind of, well, I kind of medication and send me away for a while and whatever. And, And the coach in me said, well, if I got into this, I can get out of this, surely there's a way. And then within two years, I did break through it after losing two stone and weight, et cetera. Um, And I developed this understanding of how we work as people. And I think that was, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it was also the best thing that ever happened to me. But I wouldn't want to repeat it because it taught me so much that just books couldn't teach me. And I've been able to work with incredible individuals and people since then, based off what I discovered, so to speak. And it wasn't that I discovered anything that was secret. It was just, I, I was able to make sense of it all now and put it, I suppose, you know, I put it into a workshop and different things, but so now I work with people and their business and, you know, their startups or their career or the CEOs, but I also help the person behind the business. What's life like when you're not the CEO at home, you know, with work-life balance and such. So yeah, I learned the hard way.
0: So you obviously knew you already had a mindset of how uh, a life coach can help someone mm. kind of enhance their professional life. And now you've moved into that personal side. I find it so interesting as well, because obviously you yourself were interested in health and fitness because this happened to you yeah. in a gym. And we should say, thankfully, it wasn't a hard. time. It attack. wasn't a hard
1: time. in the end, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did collapse due to exhaustion and burnout, but the pain in my chest was a ripped muscle. Yeah, <laughs> But it just at all exasperated. It was the perfect storm.
0: And that kind of realization of facing your own mortality. At, at a young age, you're only in your 20s when yeah, this happened. I yeah, I derailed like very, very, uh, very shook, I'd imagine. It's very shook. Experience. But
1: you know what the amazing thing was, I was able to get through it and I never struggled with anxiety again, you know. and Is it
0: that you never struggled again or that you had then equipped yourself with the tools when you face anxiety in your life following that? It's good. You I read it on? a quote
1: and, on it, and it said, it says, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And it was all about the biggest thing we fear is what we can't control. What if my heart does stop? I can't control that. And you could live in a constant state of worry, if allowed, especially if you're already in that chronic state of anxiety, which I was. And so I realized that it's not about the fear that we can't control what happens. We can control our response. Um, And it was through that I started to go, well, look, my heart's racing. You know, this is happening, whatever else. But you know what? Let it be. I'm not going anywhere. And this is what I discovered. Anxiety, as horrible as it is, it can't make you do anything that you don't want to do. And I realized I always have that control. So my heart was racing, my, my next headaches, tension, sweaty palms, feeling nauseous, retching when I eat. I had really chronic anxiety for a long time. And I realized it can't make me do anything I don't want to do. I don't want to go to the social event for fear of I have an anxiety attack at the social party, but anxiety c- can't make me not go. I can still choose to go and face that fear. So I realized that it's the fear of what if is the biggest problem. And I realized, and Yeah. Thoughts are just thoughts. They're not fact. See, for my whole life, I always believed I thought it, it's true. Do you know what I mean? I was convinced that if you think it, there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And I realized some of your thoughts don't come from you. Sometimes thoughts are, you know, influenced. Your mind is likely to think anything. If someone says, don't think of the color blue, you know, you start thinking the color blue. Mm -hmm. And I realized how the brain works. The brain will show you what not to think about. So the brain is basically going, here's blue. Now don't think of that. (laughs) And it's totally counterintuitive. So I realized that was a big difference between our head and our heart. And I don't mean the physical heart. I mean there's a part of us that knows what we want, but the head doesn't always know. The head goes, Oh, what if, what if, what if? Okay, panic, panic, alert, alert. But the heart can kind of go, but oh, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. And I, I got into the real basics of things. I don't want to give you the kind of lows here, but the real basic was between the stimulus and our response, we have a choice. And it's a Victor Frankl quote. And I realized I always have the choice, no matter how. Dreadful or awful or panicked, I may feel, I still have a choice what I do. I can stand, I can sit, I can drink water, I can walk. And I realize that I'm always in control, even when I feel my mind isn't.
0: And it must feel great to be in that position now, to be able to manage anxiety, to be able to face your fear and and do it anyway, and that kind of thing. And it disappears.
1: When you stop caring, when you stop fearing the what ifs, the fear goes away because you're basically telling yourself, it's okay. I know I'm thinking all these mad things, but it's okay. And your body eventually catches up.
0: But to get there, you did have to experience quite an extreme trauma. And as you said, it's great that you got there, but you wouldn't necessarily want to go through that again. And I'm sure you wouldn't wish it upon anyone to have to go through that to get to where you are. Mm. And what interests me is I did a little thought experiment uh, while doing some work for Dara and co. And I reached out to a number of men in my life and just asked them what were words that came to their mind when they thought about the the topic of self-care. And they all came up with all sorts of different words. And that's the beauty of, you know, um, word salad and these kind of thought experiments, but to a man, every single one of them mentioned something in the urine of fitness mm. or kind of physical health, like every single one of them. And I found that to me, that kind of struck with me as men have gotten very, very good and they're very um, forthright about being interested in their physical health, going to the gym, being great at stuff like that. Lots of men really interested in that area. Obviously not all men, um, <laughs> but it's definitely very popular. But are they investing as much in the mental health, in their emotional health? Is there still a bit of a, a step to be made there for them to look beyond the physical and that wellness is also psychological?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think absolutely. I think not to say all are, you know, be general, but a lot of people think, well, if I do this and I do that and these actions, I'll be okay. So I go to the gym and they think self-care is looking after your body. But what a lot of us miss is that your mental and emotional well-being ultimately, as I discovered, is most important um, or just as important. Mm-hmm. And I think emotional intelligence, not everyone is great with that, you know, irrespective of a male or female, but yeah. not everyone is great at that. And emotional intelligence is your self-awareness, knowing how I feel, why I feel. Um, emotional regulation, you know, how to regulate when I feel stressed, what to do, what to take and why am I stressed, what's my triggers and how to regulate that. But then there's things like, you know, empathy and and so forth. But those first two, self-awareness and self-regulation are two things we tend to miss. A lot of us, people don't know how to express how we feel or why we feel. Some are great at it and some aren't. Um, and, and for not all, but a lot of men, they're not great at expressing why they just want time out, why they just want to disconnect from everyone and just sit at the end of a bar and have a point, they're not, a, they're not able to express. I don't know why I want to escape, but when you really explore it and I, I work a lot like with, you know, people who would be higher higher in positions as well. And like, I work a lot with CEOs on one-to-ones and they go, you know, sometimes I just want to be on my own, you know, not talk to anybody and whatever else have you. And what they're, what they don't realize is they're processing stress and they don't realize that. And when you get to the underneath the bonnet and go, what's the trigger? What has been the backstory to you getting to this place? Why are you being like that with your wife when you go home? What is all this? And it's that self-awareness, number one, knowing why and how I am. But then the regulation, well, how can I regulate that to prevent it from future? So there's that absolute lack of emotional intelligence in a lot of people.
0: It's actually, it's really funny because it reminds me of uh, a joke that my partner makes all the time about all of his male married friends that have kids. He's like, all of them take up running. And it's because they want to get out of the house. Escapism.
1: Yeah, and we need an element of escapism. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That's self-regulation, you know. Um, that's how you regulate. But I think uh, the biggest part of it is for a lot of people who are struggling with the same stuff on ongoing basis, they've never really got under the bonnet and realized, what's going on here? Why am I like this? You know?
0: Because it's not like... I joke about it and I don't joke about it to say, ah, the old ball and chain and your horrible kids at home. I joke about it because what I find funny about it is that it's like, acknowledge that as you taking time for yourself Mm. and getting some space for yourself, because you're absolutely entitled Mm. to have that. It's not a bad thing to say, do you know what? Sometimes I need to get out of this house. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, we all need kind of, you know, space to process things as well. Like if you go, if I get something that's very stressful or challenging and I don't have a solution, the way I process it by talking about it. Like I have to talk about it. Now my wife is very different um, she'll process it. She'll go quiet. You know what I mean? And then she'll talk about it because she has to kind of re- process in her head. But what I've also found is this is the weird thing. Sometimes it's a reversal of roles. Sometimes I go quiet trying to process. And then sometimes she's, you know, we'll be able to chat through things. So it sometimes depends on circumstance. Certain things will trigger people differently. And it's not always going to be the same response. So when I had that thing with my health, when I thought it was my heart, It was an overwhelm of anxiety that I didn't know how to deal with because I didn't know what it was. Why? Like they didn't even know the word anxiety. Like they're saying, oh, you know, we're not sure what's going on. I didn't even realize it was fear was the root of anxiety. I was like, what's anxiety? What is this I'm feeling? But it was a fear that was in the body and your body is under threat. So fight or flight, trigger off the adrenaline. That's why my hands are shaking. That's why my voice is like this, because I was that level of anxiety. And I didn't know what it was. So I will always say knowledge is power. So if you're reacting in a way that you kind of go, why do I keep reacting that way? Find out why. There's always a, re- a reason why. And if not, find out a solution.
0: And something that would be uh, closely linked with fear and anxiety mm. would be insecurity Massively as well. Yeah. And something that I've noticed uh, in recent years is because you've got this like generation of men who are quite health conscious and interested in fitness and stuff like that, there's also... Uh, a lot of media built around that and a lot of advertising built around making them feel insecure about themselves. That mm. they go to the gym, that they pay for the products, that they uh, get the fitness coach and and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Is that something that you sense yourself uh, in the world now that you feel a bit impressed upon to reach a higher level of a physicality that's actually affecting your uh, I, self-esteem?
1: I think what happens is, you see, anxiety is a reactionary emotional state, a mental and emotional state. Anxiety, it's like a state you get into. But you get into that state because you're reacting to something. So if someone struggles with insecurity, they react with anxiety because it's the fear of, I don't fit in, I'm different, I don't have what it takes, I'm not enough. So that's what brings that anxiety on. Now, for my anxiety, it wasn't an insecurity that triggered it, it was burnout, just doing too much. So different things can trigger the same state. But when it comes to security and people finding... Well, if I get buff, I'll, I'll be stronger, I'll have a better image, because that's the image being sold to me, that that's where security is at. And the downside of that is someone might get extreme, too much of anything's bad for you, but they also might neglect where real security and confidence comes from. And that's from within, you know, it, it is your mindset. It's how you see yourself, view yourself, talk to yourself. That true level of security doesn't come from an exterior. You can have someone who is not buff at all, doesn't go near a gym and be very secure in themselves. And that's an internal thing. And sometimes we need to work on that. Why is that the case if it's lacking? Maybe it's from a peer, from a past, from a teacher or whatever it might be, a parent or you You came from the different side of the tracks. There's many reasons why that insecurity can be there. Um, And you can go to the gym all day long. It'll never fix it unless you resolve it. You have to confront these things. And sometimes a lot of people don't know you know, how do I confront that? Well, that's where you need to talk to maybe a coach or something. There are ways through these things. Just we don't always know about them.
0: Yeah. And I, I've always seen it as like you need good foundations to build anything. Yeah, it and is. Like, yeah, you need to bulk up your self-esteem before you bulk up the body or else yeah, the, and that foundation would be rocky.
1: And and nobody has it all figured out. Like And sometimes people will have their identity within something. So they're like, you know, when I'm in the gym, it's a happy place. It's like a musician. When I'm playing guitar, it's my happy place. Um, some people, their identity is tied up in their job, you know, and I've spoken about this and I've written on this, you know, when it comes to our identity, you know, we have to have a balance and it's okay to be, oh, that's who I am. But if that was taken away, who are you? If the gyms were closed tomorrow, who are you? A lot of people saw themselves in this position in COVID. They realized I am my job, but I don't like my job. Who am I when the job's not there? Who am I when the gym is closed? Who am I when I'm not being able to play on stage? And I think called identity crisis, you see it a lot when people retire or they hit their 50s and they're kind of going, I've worked my whole life, but who am I? You know, and then it's like, get the Harley in the leather jacket or something like mad like that. But so you see it all the time and identity is is not formulated by who you are externally. It's purely from internal. And a lot of us don't invest or know how to invest in ourselves from within. We just don't know what to do. That's the problem.
0: And where you have that lack of guidance and people may be not even aware of that, they're looking for a signpost. Yeah. Uh, people can jump on that and manipulate that. And there are 100%. bad actors out there capitalizing yeah. on insecure men who maybe feel a bit put upon mm. in modern society. Um, there's, there's some problematic media out there. But is there positive outcomes? Are there positive role models to look to? Yeah, I
1: mean, there's there's every side of the coin, right? And there's multiple sides um, to that. So for a lot of people, it's like, well, who am I to kind of not emulate, but look toward what is a healthy identity? you know, for an individual, what, where do I get this? And I think for a lot of it, going back to basics, it goes back to integrity, you know? It's like, well, being an integral person is a good starting point. Treat others as you want to be treated is a good starting point, you know? And and the problem is you can look to the wrong kind of role model and you end up putting down a certain class of people because they say, this is how you be or whatever. And it's it's corruptive, It's it's corrosive. So sometimes when it goes back to who we are, it's going back to the basic stuff and say, well, I will often, when I'm coaching a client, I don't say, who are you? I'll say, who do you want to be that you'll be proud of? That will be a legacy of, you know what? I lived true to myself. This is who I was. And I'm proud that I became that person. Who are that? And what are the values of that person? And what does that person believe? What's their motto? And I will get a person to formulate this, who's maybe gone through an identity crisis, to start formulating who they want to be and how they want to be. And it's not based off any particular person or famous person, it's going back to the beliefs and the values that are integral. And a lot of us know the answers. So a lot of the time I find it like this as a coach, it's not about me bringing the answers. It's about me asking the right questions. And when you frame certain questions in certain ways, the person kind a of light bulb moment, they already had the answer. They just were never primed or asked for the question in the right way. And I think we all know, shall we say, or have a, a reference point of who we want to be, but true fear or trauma. Or abuse. We we don't get to be that person because we're convinced we can't be, but everyone can be who they want to be. And you deserve to live. No, it sounds cheesy. Your best life, but it's true. Why not? Sell, why settle for our mediocre because of what happened to you in your past? You don't deserve that. You deserve to have the best. You're an individual on this planet and you have a gift called life. Cash in on it and make sure that you put living into your life and living according to what makes you happy. And when you're 90 years age or 90 years of age, you don't look back and go, Oh, I was such a bad person. You look back and go, I did the best I could, and I'm happy about that. That's all you want. That's a win.
0: And have you ever come across any challenges yourself in terms of navigating the world that we live in, where there, there is, I feel like there's there's still a little bit of weird animosity. Around <laughs> what would have been seen as traditional gentleman like behavior, you might get, and I know this has happened to you, given out to for holding the door open. For uh, you a know, woman. Th- <laughs> I,
1: it was the strangest thing. So, I, I, for example, right, just going back to that, I suppose, integrity thing or whatever else. No one's perfect. We're all learning. But I was brought up like hold the door open for people. Yes. Now I'm using the word people. So I hold the door open for anyone coming behind me, generally speaking, right? I'm sure I've forgotten sometimes, but I generally do. So I held it open for a, a girl one time, and she goes, I can hold my door the door myself. And I was like, okay, sorry. I didn't know what else to say. Yeah. And and that was fine. Um, And the thing about it was, I came away feeling, oh, I've offended them by holding the door open. And there was a moment in me where I felt I feel bad. And this is when I'm going back to be true to you. And I said, well, you know what? These are my values. It's not because she was a she, you know what I mean? She's yeah. a woman, it was, it was a human being. If it was, uh, uh, it doesn't matter who it is, what age they are, what demographic, I hold the door open if they're close behind me in proximity. And that's the way it is. But they made it, oh, you're holding the door open for you as if I can't, you know, they thought I was projecting some sort of belief. My point is I had to go back and I felt bad and said, sorry. And then I realized, well, dang, this is who I am. And if people don't accept that, well, you know what? This is who I am, but I'm, I'm doing this for an integral reason. You know what I mean? The holding door open for people. Such a simple thing. But I think it's a good point because there's a lot of mixed messages out there that could make people who are just doing things because they're integral or good and they feel bad then because some people say, oh, well, that's this or that's that way. It gets, the waters get cloudy and it gets muddied, but I think you have to go back to, well, are you doing it for the right reason? Is your heart in the right place? Well then, what's wrong with that?
0: Yeah, because I can see how if that was happened to you on the regular, if you were just going about your life trying to be the person that you think is right, uh, the good person that you want to be, and getting mistakenly labelled uh, negatively, and I'm not talking about outright chauvinistic behaviour, you know, not. that yeah, we would yeah, absolutely yeah. Uh, not be okay with, but even gestures that could be as simple as holding a door open for someone, offering to pay for drinks or dinner on a date, and stuff like that, yeah. can sometimes because of sensitivities culturally or, or whatever reason, get misconstrued yeah. as, oh, you're being a chauvinist. Like, if that happened to you constantly, I could see if you, why you might feel put upon and that, like, this modern life is too hard to negotiate with all these feminists knocking around and <laughs> knocking yeah. us back. And I suppose that maybe creates that vulnerability um, that then leads people towards some it, it, bad it, role
1: models. It can happen. And, and what happens is, you can go one or two extremes. Like But, like, I remember sharing the story with a guy, and and um, he said, you know what? I don't hold the door open for anyone anymore. He says, what's the point? You know, and he said he was a guy who would have he's single. He said I would have paid for the meal on the first date. He said don't do that anymore. Don't hold the door anymore. Um, he said, and all these things that he said. My mother, his mum's passed away, but he says like my mother would turn in her grave. But he says I I'm on the receiving end of rats. He said if I do these things, and he says it's just very frustrating because he said. I'm just doing it to be nice. And it's not the fact that they're male or female. It's not the point. It's just I hold the doors and I pay the meal. If I ask someone out for dinner, I pay the dinner. Um, so, so the thing is, frustration can set in. And then you have other people then looking to role models who are completely chauvinistic, you know, and and they end up going ex- polar opposite the other way. I think what it comes down to is I will say we've gone a little bit too serious. I think we have need to have a little bit more, um, let's not take ourselves so serious. If someone holds the door or doesn't hold the door or whatever else. Look at you have your beliefs, they're their beliefs. And as I said, treat others as they want to be treated. You don't want someone telling you not to believe what you believe. So maybe let not be the people to tell them not to believe what they believe. And I think let's just be a little bit more, go back to basics and say, agree to disagree. We respect each other. I'm not going to hate on you because you don't believe in my ways. And I think we just have gotten a little bit too serious with things. There are serious topics at hand. I get that. But certain things are getting way too exa- exaggerated that than they should be. I think we need to have a bit more crack in life.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, because I do think, like, you, you see, there's entire articles, lots of content built around, like, oh, who should pay for the date and stuff like that. And it's like, why are we sweating about this? Like, just have a conversation on the date about that. Man, just, and turn it or, or, into or a offer. topic.
1: Yeah, or just <laughs> say, like, listen, I normally pay for the date, but yeah. it's up to you. you yeah. Know?
0: And also, if you're like, oh, okay. Or if you're like, I'd rather split it.
1: We can just go with it. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't have
0: to be a moment of consternation. It's not a
1: moral debate, you know, (laughs) of society. And let's not make it that. And I think we do that. We tend to like to... See, I think what happens is people like to put people in boxes and you're that way and you're this way and you're that way. And the problem with that is we start to segregate, even discriminate. And I think that's a massive problem. I think, look, we're all different for different reasons, different upbringings, et cetera, et cetera. Unless it's, you know, problematic behavior, let's just respect it. Um, but let's not assume they're out to get me. You yeah. know, a lot of us think, oh, they're trying to make me be this way. Or let, let's not jump on that because you'll be a whole lot happier in life and a lot less anxious if you just not you know let things slide. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, don't get me wrong, there's a line in the sand. Certain st- st- stuff cannot be let slide. But let's not be examining or over-examining every little thing people do. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And maybe, because this is something that I always find is that usually the stu- the small things that are causing an explosive reaction is because of a deep deeper thing. Generally, yeah. So this is probably also rooted in anxiety, not anxiety, in insecurity. It can be
1: yeah. be, yeah. A person feels you're trying to make, you're trying to control me with your beliefs by X. And that's, that's a real issue that we just need to move past because like life is too short and there's serious stuff at hand and this stuff maybe won't matter in five years time and if it doesn't matter in five years time well let's not think it matters now
0: yeah well we'd love to move towards that future with open hearts all together yeah, it's, it's, nice? it's the ideal <laughs>
1: but it doesn't always work out you know it doesn't always work out yeah. sadly
0: well fingers crossed uh well people can learn from you how to be a better person in general. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have all the answers,
1: but I'll, I'll yeah, give you my two you'll cents. you give it a vest. Um,
0: <laughs> and if anybody's interested in doing that, they can follow at markfennel.ie on Instagram or check out www.markfennel.ie where there are workshops, events that Mark's ho- Mark hosts. And also on daraandco.com, we thankfully have a workshop from Mark all about how to build up your confidence. So do check that out. Thank you so much for talking to us. today, and
1: Thank you for having me.